Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. We've been there for a while and we are continuing to be there. We're about right smack dab in the middle. And we are going to look at a message this morning entitled, I Can See Clearly Now, which reminded me of a song written in 1972. To the best of your ability, uh, tell your neighbor how old you were in 1972. Eighth grade? Eighth grade? 1972. Sarah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, Sarah, you were not around in 1972. Pardon me? You were negative 27, all right. I was 13 years old. I was 13 years old in 1972. This is when this song came out. And if you have a bulletin insert, you will see the song. And when I sing it, because I think it is one of my favorite songs. When I sing it, maybe you will recognize it. And you can sing it with me. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. All right. Very good. You don't know that song, Will? Oh, my goodness. Steve, do you know that song? Sure. Uh, <laughs> you oldies maybe don't know that song. Before that. Yeah, you, you, were, you, were, you were past your prime in 1972, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that song was written by Johnny Nash and sang by Jimmy Cliff. I can see clearly now. So take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 8 because this is an interesting miracle of Jesus. And you will understand as we read the end there why I picked that song I can see clearly now. Mark chapter 8 verse 22. Next week we will be pretty much smack dab in the middle of Mark. And uh, it's going to be an important Sunday next week as we... Look at Peter's confession of Christ. But right now we are back in Bethsaida, the Bible says. They came into Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, strange, and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. So that is the reading of God's word. If you get back to your notes there, I wrote this. I've always wondered about this miracle. On the first reading, it seems like Jesus' cure was faulty. or It didn't, it didn't work. But there is more to the story 
The answer, of course, is yes, there's more to the story. There are at least four good lessons, I think, probably, probably way more. Four good lessons here for the disciples as well as us. Now, this is one of two miracles that only John records. It's not in Matthew. I'm sorry, that only Mark records. It's not in Matthew. It's not in Luke. And it's not in John. It's just in Mark. And the one is in chapter 7 when Jesus heals the deaf and mute man. We studied that a few weeks ago. And then this one. These are the two that only Mark mentioned. They're not in the other Gospels. And we read at the beginning there that they are back in Bethsaida, which is Peter, Andrew, and Philip's hometown. Those are Jesus' disciples. And it's in Bethsaida, or near there, that Jesus fed the 5,000. But this is the last miracle recorded here in Mark in this area, this is a Jewish area, this is the last miracle recorded in Mark in this Jewish area because of their unbelief. Now, if you go back through Mark and some of the other Gospels, you will know that Jesus usually touched those that he healed. And lots of places where that is recorded. But in these two miracles, the deaf and mute man and then the blind man, uh, a couple of interesting things are similar, and that is that Jesus took both of these men aside, away from the crowds. And in fact, in ours, it says, uh, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. So I'm not sure exactly how he was able to do that with the crowd that was around, but he did. He took this blind man, and I don't know if the disciples went with, but they went outside the village. And it says that also that uh, the deaf and mute man was taken by Jesus and was led outside as well. It says there in verse 33 of chapter 7, he took him aside away from the crowd. And then in both, Jesus places his hands on uh, the man, the deaf man's ears and the deaf man's tongue. But here, Jesus spits he doesn't spit on his hands and rub the spit in his eyes. He spits in the guy's eyes, which is just kind of odd and strange. And I did reading after reading after reading, and nothing I really found indicates as, uh, as to why he did it this way. And so I think that that can be the first lesson that we can learn from this. And the first lesson that we can learn from this is God is in charge. God is in charge. Uh, somebody sent me a meme, just a little thing on my computer, and it was from the show Back to the Future. I don't know if you remember seeing that many moons ago. Again, that was, I don't know, maybe that was in the 80s or so that that was made. And Doc and Marty, they've got this DeLorean that goes back to the future and can travel all around. And this is what the, the meme says. Doc says to Marty, the, the little kid, he says, Go anywhere you want to, anytime you want to, just don't go back to 2020. Alright? Well, that's where we're currently living. We are currently living in 2020. And i got to remind myself that God is in control in 2020. God is in control in 2020 working out his purposes even though we may not understand them. And I think all of us can be 
pretty sure that we don't understand what is going on in our world. But thankfully, the Bible, our authority on what we believe and how we behave, has lots of verses that are written, I think, to bring comfort when it looks like everything is out of control. And so, hopefully you have your Bible. If not, you can just listen. But take your Bible and turn to Psalm 46. Because I just want to give you some comforting uh, verses here. Psalm 46. And uh, you could underline these if you so choose. But this is, this is one that I have read often when I'm thinking that everything is out of control. Psalm 46, verse 1, 2, 3, and then down to verse 7. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake, with their surging, verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Psalm 94 and verse 19. Psalm 94 and verse 19. When anxiety was great within me. We live in a pretty anxious world right now, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation or your comfort brought joy to my soul. There you go. And then Philippians 4, and I've read this verse, I have it memorized, a million times, but I did not notice what I'm going to show you until yesterday. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Everybody there? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. So, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. Alright, you know that verse. But look at the end. I never noticed this before. Just put two and two together. Always learning from God's word. Look at the four words right before, do not be anxious about anything. What are those four words? Might be different in your translation. But my Bible, it says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your quest to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How can you not be anxious? Well, you realize the Lord is near. I was like, wow, I never saw that before. The Lord is near, therefore do not be anxious about anything. And then one that you're familiar with, you've probably quoted it before, you may not know where it's found. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, Old Testament. And verses 8 and 9. 
This is what the Lord is telling Isaiah the prophet. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my, neither are your ways my ways. Let me read that again. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So a lot of times we think, God, what are you doing? What, what's going on? Where's, you know, wh where are you in this? And I think we've got to remember that God's ways are bigger than our ways. He sees more clearly than, than I do. And that's important for me to re realize. Lesson number two. Lesson number one, God is in charge. God is large and in charge. Lesson number two, God can open blind eyes to see. There's another story in John chapter 9 where Jesus opens the blind man's eyes. Remember that one? He spits on the ground, gets the mud, and puts it in the blind man's eyes. And uh, the blind man comes to the Pharisees and says, Look at me, I'm, I can see, if you remember that story. And the Pharisees are questioning him about who did this miracle, wondering if it was Jesus, who they thought Jesus was doing all this power, through the devil. And uh, John chapter 9 verse 24 through 34 is kind of that story. They come to him and say, who did this? Because if it was Jesus, he's a sinner. And the blind man says, you know what? <laughs> Whether he's a sinner, I, I really don't know. But one thing I do know is I was blind and now I see. And then he says something that really stirs him up. He says, hey, you know what? Uh... You're so interested in him. Uh, do you want to be one of his followers? And the Pharisees go ballistic. If you read it, they go ballistic and they basically kick him out of the temple and, and don't want anything to do with him. But I love that story because the guy says, Hey, I don't know much about this Jesus guy. All I know is that once I was blind and now I see. And, you know, I was going to pick that song, Amazing Grace, because it says that in there. I was once lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. Remember, the book of Mark is written, chapter 1, verse 1, to confirm that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And, and we, we studied that right at the get-go. And so all that Mark is trying to do is show his audience that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And the prophetic word of the Messiah, back in Isaiah 35, verse 5, says this, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. So that was the prophetic word that would happen when the Messiah comes. And Mark is recording that prophecy right here. The deaf can hear. The blind can see. Your muteness will be unstopped. You'll be able to speak. And so Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy. And he can open your eyes to see too. You know, when you think about when you were saved, I was eight years old. Mary, we often talk about this, Mary was eight years old. And uh, 
That's when Jesus opened my eyes. Now, did I see everything clearly then? No, kind of like in the miracle here. I didn't see everything clearly, but I began to go on the journey of getting eyesight, of getting spiritual eyes. And I have to go back uh, to Ephesians again. It's, it's just kind of one of my favorite little passages here. Ephesians chapter 2. And it just tells you where I was before my eyes were opened. And it says this, As for you, Ephesians 2.1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In other words, you were blind. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We were blind. But then look at verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive or gave us sight with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions it is by grace you have been saved through faith when you became a Christian your eyes were open to spiritual things now lesson three I think is interesting in light of our text this morning seeing clearly sometimes takes time seeing clearly takes time and this is really an interesting miracle here. This is the one miracle where Jesus asks a question after the healing. Never done that before. And the question he asks is, do you see anything? And of course the man says, well, it looks like things are kind of out of focus. And maybe the guy was not born blind like the John chapter, uh, chapter 9 guy. Because he kind of had an idea what people look like and he kind of had an idea maybe what trees look like. And so he says in our text, I see people, they look like trees walking around. And so I always wondered, why did Jesus do this in two stages? The first stage is he spits on the man's eyes. And then the second stage, verse 25, once more, he put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. So Jesus does this miracle in two stages. First stage, a little out of focus. Second stage, he can see clearly. And the only thing I could really come up with in this lesson is that seeing clearly sometimes takes some time. Sometimes it takes time to see things clearly. And I think about that in terms of Romans 8.28. You know that verse. If Phyllis were here, she would say, Yeah, that's my favorite verse. She'd yell it out from the back there. Romans 8.28. You know that verse. It says... And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Sometimes we just have a hard time seeing how God can make all things work to his good. Sometimes we don't see that clearly the first time. We were talking a little bit about that this morning. Sometimes our oldest son says things like, Why did we move when I was going into ninth grade? 
You know, and that's a, that's a hard time for kids to move. Why did we move when I was going into ninth grade? And we moved from Emporia, Kansas to Pella, Iowa. And that was a really tough move on him. I don't know that Vicki and I or my son Bradley have ever really got an answer to that. Maybe it's a two-stage miracle. Maybe someday we, we, we will be able to see more clearly why God allowed us to make that move, which was difficult for our son. I mentioned this this morning. Sometimes we pray and we don't get the answers that we want. You know, I've been praying for this, Lord. Why aren't you answering this? This seems like a no-brainer to me. And we just don't seem to get the answers that we want. Sometimes it takes time to see things clearly. And sometimes we just can't see things clearly. It's pretty tough. This past year I had my yearly physical and the doctor gave me the eye test. You know? And uh, he says, I want you to do the eye test without your glasses. And so I took my glasses off and he said, what are these letters? And I, <laughs> I could not see that biggest, all, all, I could see the biggest, but they really started getting blurry after that. And I said, if I move closer, if I could move closer, I could see those letters. And he says, well, you're not really supposed to move closer. And then he said, put on your glasses. And, and then I thought, oh, I can see a little bit better. I can see a little bit better. And it got me to thinking about this. The closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to Jesus, the better we can see. You know, if I, if, without my glasses, I, if, if, if I could have got a little closer to that eye chart, I could have seen a little bit better. The closer we get to Jesus, the better we can see. And now it says on my license that i got to wear these in order to drive, which is probably not a bad idea anyway. In this world, you will, I hate to say it, see not very clearly you will see cloudy. In fact, the Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In this world, you will see cloudy. But here you go. Chapter 22 of Revelation, the last chapter. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God into the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see there you go. They will see clearly they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. You know what? Boy, we can't see very clear right now. But someday, someday we will see clearly. And then, lesson four. Are you bringing blind people to Jesus? If you look at both of those stories, the two stories there in Mark, it said uh, 
They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. If you go back to the deaf man and the mute man, some people, verse 32 of 7, brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. Are you bringing blind people to Jesus? You know, you see those t-shirts, friends don't let friends. I saw one the other day. Friends don't let friends root for the Packers. All right? Friends don't let friends wear polyester. All right? That's, that was a good one too. And then I saw this one. Friends don't let friends drink Starbucks. Okay? You could say this. Friends don't let friends miss knowing Jesus. Friends brought the paralytic to Jesus. The disciples brought the boy with the fish and bread to Jesus. Friends brought the deaf and mute friend to Jesus. And today, friends brought their blind friend to Jesus. I just want to read this little section here because I think it's so great as we think about this idea. When Jesus was calling the disciples to him back in John chapter 1 and verse 40. And remember, we are in, in Bethsaida here, Andrew and Simon, Andrew and Peter and Philip's hometown. And this is what it says in John chapter 1, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus. Look at verse 43. The next day Jesus decided to leave. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, I do want to go there. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. What we're talking about. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of, of Joseph. Nazareth! Nathaniel says, can anything good come from there? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus said, I saw you, you while you were still under the tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus says, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. And he added, I tell you the truth, you, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I just love that story because these brothers, these friends, they brought their brother, they brought their friend to see Jesus, the Messiah. And so lesson four, are you bringing blind people to Jesus? And then at the bottom of your notes there, it says, in what area do you need a miracle from God? I mean... Our passage and many passages that we've been looking at are Jesus doing miracles. What area do you need a miracle from God? I'm, I'm going to uh, challenge you to think about that today and maybe start praying for that miracle. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word today. It uh, speaks well, pretty, pretty much to us and we can find at least four. One thing that I didn't say was that Jesus took these two men quietly away, spent time alone with them. A lesson we could have learned was how much alone time do we spend with you?
could have talked about that, but we talked about these other four areas. Ending with who are we bringing to Jesus? What friends might we bring to Jesus? May that be a question that we contemplate on today. And then what miracles, Lord, do we need you to do in our lives? And maybe we'll start praying for those. Understanding as we sing this song in his time, Lord, you make everything beautiful in your time. Thank you for this time in your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.